What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast. I know after the last episode, I said I wanted to put an episode out every week. Unfortunately, I dropped the ball on that again, as it's been well over a month since our last episode. But now that we're into the summer months, we have more time on our hands. Looking forward to getting more out. Um, An exciting, fun episode tonight. One that has been in the works for a while, and I think one that we're going to break up into maybe three or four different episodes because there's literally hours worth of stuff that we could talk about. Um, I have my first guest on the podcast tonight, my wife, Jessica Deal. Say hello. Hello. Um, we are both coaches at Blue Hill High School. She's actually getting ready to enter her third season. As the head volleyball coach, I will be entering my third season as an assistant football coach. And so we've talked about doing a podcast for a while now where we talk about our coaching experiences, our coaching backgrounds, why it is we decided to take the dive into coaching. Um, and then there's that's going to be tonight. It's going to be why we coach where have we coached, kind of just different experiences that we've talked about um, as a married couple and um, share kind of some experiences we've had um, bringing the coaching world home with us when um, in some professions you're able to leave that profession on the practice field or the practice court. Um, So we're going to share some of those tonight. The next podcast episode with Jess and I, we're going to get into more of maybe our coaching philosophies or different um, thoughts that we have pertaining to football and volleyball and kind of break it up so that way we're not putting out hour-long podcasts. We want to keep keep this relative to about 20 to 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes top, so that way we don't just go on and on and um, we have more to talk about at a later date. So, Jess, why volleyball? Well, that's a very... <laughs> why did we take the dive into volleyball? What, what was it about volleyball that captured you to where you wanted to pursue a career in coaching? Um, well, I just that was the one sport that I played. That was the one sport that I... Um, like committed myself to and knew that I wanted to um, continue doing that. I mean, I started in fourth grade uh, playing it, and my mom like was one of my first coaches, and it just kind of went from there and playing club volleyball. And I dabbled with other high school sports, but those didn't last very long. And um, club volleyball basically took up um, – my months from November to July and then August would roll around and we'd start high school ball again. So, um, I always knew that I wanted to play, um, and coaching, coaching has always kind of been there because I coached, started coaching club volleyball when I was a senior in high school. And so I kind of knew that was always there because of the passion that I had for volleyball and, 
as I got to college and played in college and um, had more opportunities to learn more about the game and different strategies and, and whatnot, I knew that when I was done playing, it was going to be a gentle um, transition into just a different role in volleyball than just completely stopping the sport that I loved and I was still competitive and so now I get to do one step better than actually playing. Was there ever a time when you first started coaching that maybe you were like, and this this is after college, after high school, where you thought maybe, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. Or has it always been one of those things that's like, yep, you know, I knew this is what I wanted to do from the very beginning. This is the right career path. Has there ever been a time where you didn't feel, and I'm talking like right, because sometimes when you start a new job, mm-hmm. you, you're you like, okay, maybe this wasn't the right choice. Or maybe um, you realize that volleyball was a passion of mine, but it's not for other people. Was there ever a time when you just started out where you went through those experiences? Um, I don't think I ever thought that it wasn't something that I wanted to do or that it wasn't the career path that I wanted to. Of course, when you graduate from college with a degree and you're trying to get into that degree and sometimes that doesn't always pan out, you have a backup plan and my backup plan just happened to be a collegiate assistant job and getting my degree was a requirement from that head coach because he had been a previous coach of mine. And so that was his way of getting me to further my education. And um, so I knew coaching was always going to be there. And starting out coaching, coaching is a thankless sport on it, or a thankless job. Like you're never going to, unless you're D1 or a head of some college somewhere you're never going to get paid the big bucks like you start out coaching GA whatever and you get paid next to nothing like a small stipend you may get your meals paid for but so I didn't get into coaching for the money obviously but there's there I mean obviously there's always times and I mean, even the last few years when I would come home from a game or a practice or whatever, and I'm just like, I don't even know if I can do this anymore. I don't feel like I'm making an impact on anything. So am I right for coaching? That's an interesting interesting um, thing you brought up, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We'll talk about how, how we're able to um, handle – I don't know if handle's the right word. How we manage, maybe, um, coaching in the same high school. Um, We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's let's go to, you know, fresh out of college, where did you coach first? Talk about that journey to what's led you up to being the head coach at Blue Hill. Um, Well, I – my first official coaching job was at Gildner High School. Um. And I was actually in my final year at Hastings College when I was the head coach there. So I was a head coach there in 
um, the fall, and then I student taught there in the spring. And then I graduated, and I thought my life was all on track, thought I had a job, thought I was set, good to go, kind of got the rug pulled out from under me a little bit, and then called up an old coach um, that I... A mentor, I mean, still a part of my life now. And I was just like, I have nothing. I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Do you have a job? Like, do you do you need an assistant? And he was uh, the head coach down at Kansas Wesleyan University in Salina, Kansas. And uh, it's an NAI school. Um, smaller than what Hastings is, but... Um, regardless. And he said, you know what, at this point, I don't know, but why don't you keep applying for jobs? And I did that. And it's just kind of like the run of the mill, like, oh, well, you are a great candidate, but you don't have any experience. And we need somebody with experience. And I mean, it's the same thing kind of like a lot of teachers have to deal with when they're coming out of school. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because it's like, oh, well, we can't hire you because you're not you don't have the experience we want, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, how, how do I get the experience then if, if nobody will hire you? Exactly. So I went on many different interviews, got interviews, said I was a great candidate, yada, yada, yada. And then called it, called my mentor back up again and said, nothing's panning out. Do you need an assistant? And he said, Yes. I'm going to need to be going to need an assistant. Um, let me um, do some checking, see what I can do. Why don't you come down here, look at campus, see what you think, whatnot. Literally a week later, I went down to Salina with my mom, checked everything out, saw the facility, just fell in love with Salina and. I was there for six years, got my degree, um, stayed longer than what we initially thought. It was going to be kind of like a GA um, thing, but they didn't have a GA program at the time. And so didn't get stipend for that, got very, very little pay, um, moved a lot just within like a little block, um, took on different roles, did what I needed to do, it stayed six years. And then um, finally decided that I wanted to come back home. Um, Not for a lack of not liking Salina. I loved Salina. I loved coaching there. I loved the program. Um, But my sister was having kids. I wanted to be closer to home. So I came back up not having a job (laughs) again. Um, And I got an assistant coaching job at St. Cecilia. While I was subbing, I subbed in Blue Hill, I subbed at St. Cecilia, was there for a year, then got an assistant coaching position at Blue Hill. First year there was my only year as an assistant there, won a state championship, and then the next year was my first year back at um, a head coaching position. So I guess... And we could get into this in a future future podcast, but just summarizing it very sh- shortly, what's 
since you've had both the collegiate experience and the high school, what's what would you say would be the biggest the biggest difference? And could you see where? Um, so the, what would be the biggest difference between coaching college and high school? And could you see a spot where maybe one person could say, okay, I can't do high school. I can only do college or vice versa where somebody could say, okay, I'm more, cause you see it like with, in the NFL with, in college football with some coaches are like, well, I, I can't do the NFL. I can only do college. Yeah. Do you see that? Where would you see that with high school as being, what would you see as the, the only issues? Um, or I guess in your own words, what's what's the biggest difference between college and high school? I think it's the dedication factor of it because, like, in high school you see a lot of kids that's like, especially in smaller schools, that their parents want them to go out for a sport in the fall, the spring, or the fall, the winter, the spring. Like, it, and so it's like they have to be there. And it's not just a simple, like, I love this sport, I want to play this sport. And that's what you get in college is that they want to be there. They want they put all their time and effort into that. But in high school, it's very and especially again, especially in a small school, you don't have that complete. And I'm not saying a lack of dedication because there's been plenty of people that haven't necessarily wanted to do that sport or or whatever, and um, that have dedicated themselves to being able to do that. Do you think that? Do you think that even even you get some freshmen that come to college? You think that maybe well they might think that they had a pretty good high school career. Do you see a lot of freshmen that maybe think that they get to college and think that it's going to be just like high school and then? couple weeks later they're like wow this is more yeah more work and they it's maybe they decide it's not for them yeah does that, does that happen frequently I, in the high school or in the college yes level like i've seen i have seen girls not just in like our like the program that we had they were just kind of overwhelmed by it like you come out of high school and you get recruited for a like to be on in a college sport doesn't matter what it is. You kind of still, you kind of have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder thinking like, oh, I may be the only one out of my graduating class that I actually, that is going on to play. So you kind of feel like you're still the big dog and you think it's just going to be the same way when you get to college. But then it's like that big fish, small pond, small, small fish, big pond or whatever. But, um, and sometimes you do see them like flame out right away. Like they can't handle it. They can't handle the pressure of going to all these classes, having freedom, um, not having to be home at a certain time, living in a dorm room for the first time, and they take advantage of that freedom, and then either studies or sports or whatever starts kind of flaming out, and they just kind of fizzle up, and either they're not the same athlete that they were, or they, they just end up quitting because they can't handle it anymore. But I mean... Like, you played college football, so you kind of get that, and you coached at a bigger school than what Blue Hill is, so you kind of get that a little bit being in Lincoln. What do you what do you think? 
Um, you know, I think I think it's def- that's definitely the case. Um, I by no means was an outstanding high school football player. Um, like Jeff said, I had the chance to go and play in college at Peru State. Um, and I think my mentality basically after I graduated high school was what I just kind of asked you about was the same. Like it was like, okay, well, this is going to be pretty similar to high school. And the first thing that you have to realize is that there's like volleyball is different, but like football, you have almost a hundred kids that are trying to earn either 11 spots on the offense or 11 spots on the defense. Did Peru have a JV? No. Okay. No JV. And so, and it, and each year that I was there, um, you kind of see the big picture more and more. Like you could almost pick out year after year, um, just by doing the first team meal or the first team meeting, uh, you could almost pick out who were going to be the ones that, that were going to be the first to go. Um, because there were some kids that that just just thought that like kind of like I did that it was going to be um high school 2.0 um and I came from a small C2 high school. I mean, if I there's probably some kids, you know, if you came from Omaha or Lincoln where you're playing class A football or Kansas City, we had a lot of kids come up from Kansas City which I don't know what the classes are there, but like there's there's going to be some big schools and some big teams that have that you have to try out for your team. And so they might have came in with a little better of a mindset than what I had. But, um, you know, the, that first year I redshirted and um, the, the, fifth, the seniors, uh, we had a real good group of seniors. Um, we had an All-American defensive end um, that was just a beast to block and – uh, that first year just really opened my eyes. Um, and I don't want to say I completely took the summer off after my graduation from high school, but I basically did. Um, maybe lifted once or twice a week. And then every summer after that, I mean, four or five nights a week, I was out in the weight room lifting on the track, infield running, doing all sorts of stuff. And so... Um, I mean, I, I definitely get that. I I wanted to play. Um, I don't feel like I had a chip on my shoulder, but there was there were some people that I felt like didn't think that I would necessarily make it those four or five years. Um, and so in the back of my head, it was like, okay, like... And I think for a lot of kids, too, um, you make it the first week, week and a half, you build those relationships with your new teammates, your coaches and stuff. Um, 95% of the kids will be glad that they stuck it out. Um, and so it was interesting because I didn't really plan to coach when I, when I entered college. Um, I had some really good high school coaches that um, taught me good football knowledge uh, they were good motivators, but I just, I didn't really want to want to coach at that point. Um, finished up with college, uh, changed my major from sports management to, to PE. <laughs> and the last year at Peru, my fifth year, 
Uh, we had some staff changes. The season really didn't go like we wanted it to. Um, and it really, it really kind of um, question made me question my love for football. Um, not fr- from a point of watching it, like I still enjoyed the heck out of watching it, but more so of wanting to be involved with it. And so after my last year, I still had, I was a super, super senior, so to speak. Um, and so all my roommates and friends, most of them still had a year of eligibility to play. So, I mean, I would go to the games and stuff, but it just, it would just feel like, I mean, if they weren't playing, I, I wouldn't have been there. Like I wanted, wanted to be away from it, wanted to watch the Huskers on Saturdays and stuff like that. So that was like your one and only year that you did nothing with Two years. I had two Two years years off. Yes. Um, and so then... After after that, we moved to Lincoln, or I moved to Lincoln, lived with a couple friends, and um, first year up there was out of middle school, and there's really no middle school football through the schools in Lincoln. So, had the opportunity to coach um, boys and girls basketball and then track, um, but not football. And so, I was starting to get that void of missing football, um, being able to coach basketball and track kind of opened my eyes to coaching where it was like, okay, like now this could be, this could be a career choice that, that I would like. And so took on a new job at an elementary school in Lincoln as a PE teacher. Um, and a guy by the name of Greg Nelson, who was friends with my sister, had just accepted a coaching job at Lincoln Lutheran. And my sister helped me make contact with him. And I met with him. And he's basically like, you know, like you've got good football knowledge. Um, we've got two things we can do. He's like, we're all set as far as like high school assistance. But he's like, I can get you in with a junior high. And you can do junior high and still help out with high school wherever, which worked out well because not teaching at Lincoln Lutheran, um, I had to fulfill my full-time duties with Lincoln Public Schools first. And so that meant I couldn't leave school until the right time to leave. Um, And we were a late start school, so we had to stay there until 4, and they started practice at 3.30. So luckily enough... We were able to work it out to where um, I would get to practice when I could. Um, But for five years that I was at Lincoln Lutheran, um, did both junior high and high school. And I think that, I think it definitely, working with the guys that I did there, um, really reaffirmed my decision to coach. Um... Just guys that that you wanted to be around as far as coaching, um, and it was it was kind of a crazy crazy ride too. I mean, we went from winning one game in two years to two years to that third year, we went seven and two, missed the playoffs, which still kind of blows my mind because this past year at Blue Hill we went one and seven, technically two and seven, but the one win didn't count because. <laughs> It was a COVID, COVID game um, and made the playoffs with a super tough schedule. And so it's just kind of crazy how 
how different um, <clears throat> schedules between eight man and eleven man go. But that year after that year we made the year we went seven and two. Um, a lot of those kids on that team that played were sophomores and juniors, and so it was hard on them because they had done everything that we had asked them to do as far as buying into the weight room, buying into the summer camps, all that stuff. And then to sit there at the end of the season, and we went into to the final week 7-1. Um, and one. So we go into the final week, and we were playing UTAN, and it was the year before UTAN won their state championship. They had some real good players. One of them's playing for the Huskers now. Um, and so we're on our way to the game. We're riding in the van, and there was a series of things that had to happen for us to miss the playoffs. And so... Last week of the season, some of the games are on Thursday, some are on Friday. And we basically had it figured up in the time from UTAN, or from Lincoln to UTAN that we basically needed to win in order to get into the playoffs. As a 7-1 and one team. As a 7-1 and one team. Um, and we lost. I don't remember the score. I don't think it was a real close game. Um, <clears throat> but the best thing for, I think, those kids was... Knowing that, okay, we went 7-2, and two, we missed the playoffs, so our margin for error next year is going to be even less. Um, and all year, building up to that point, it's, oh, we're going to make the playoffs, we're checking PowerPoints every day, and then all of a sudden that's pulled out from underneath you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, and I think it took all of us maybe a little while to really, really kind of get over that. Uh, but then the next year... Those kids were now juniors and seniors, um, and it was the same schedule because it was the we had just dropped down to C two. So, so it was the first one in the new cycle. Yeah. So the sec so the year the next year was the second year in the mm-hmm. cycle in C two. Um, played the same opponents. Um, basically went. We had the same record, but we made the playoffs. Um, we went out to North Platte and played St. Pat's the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I think it was the 9-8. Yeah. The 9-8 seed. Um, nobody really gave us a chance. Huskerland Bob, um, basically said, um, St. Pat, St. Pat's would have it in the bag at halftime. Uh, we, and we really went out there and just put a beating on them. And I think we won like 30 to zero. Uh, so the next week we were at home against Arcadia Loop City, and we were the only team still playing in Lincoln. So we got to play at Seacrest Field, where all the Class A schools play. And it was cold. <clears throat> there was snow falling in in warm ups and everything. And they came out and there they didn't have shirts on for warm ups and stuff. And I'll talk about my. My opinions on teams that do that later. But um, beat them, and so then we're off to the semis. Uh, and then the semis, we played Centennial, and Centennial had some dudes on their team. Uh, they had a nice nice four- or five-year run where um, they they made a lot of noise. And we we played them in middle school for a lot of those years, and so we felt like we had a good matchup. Um, the crazy amount of people at that game. That was the game that I met your parents for the first time. Yes, that was that was the first time. Just met my mm-hmm. met my parents and everything, and it was mm-hmm. 
it was just a crazy night. Unfortunately, um, we didn't we didn't win. Um, nope. Just didn't play very well. It was very cold. Very cold. Um, and so we finished that year nine and four, mm-hmm. something like that. Nine and three, something like that. Better trip to the semis. The next, go ahead. But what I was gonna say is that you had the opportunity to like come into a program where it hasn't been much of anything mm-hmm. and you got to be in a part of that like that growth and how to build a program and go from literally nothing into you may not have been gotten to the state championship but you still did a lot better than what you initially started and it's not like you just came into a job and it's just like they were winning championship after championship after championship and it's just like okay well I'm part of this but you you got to see what it's like to actually build it. And honestly, for me, like, that makes me feel like you've gotten so much extra learning experience. And um, you can be so much more of an effective coach from coming from and seeing how that just progresses. Yeah, and like I said, we the we won our second game of the first year. And we didn't win another game until the first game in year three. And, you know, we we didn't really change. I mean, some people would be like, all right, we got to change our offense, got to change our defense. Um, the personnel changed because once we figured out, okay, we need to invest more time in the weight room um, and all that, some of the kids just were like, all right, I'm I'm not willing to commit all this extra time. And, like, that's what we talked about back at the beginning of this episode. It's like some kids just, you know, they're out for a social social reason. They don't really care about the results. Um, and the way to, I don't want to say weed out, but the way to... It really is. The way to find out who really wants to be there is by seeing who really wants to invest the time in it. And it's mm-hmm. it's got to be, and we're kind of getting into kind of the philosophies of it, but it's it's really got to be one of those situations where you have to find out who who really wants it. And we invested more time in the weight room. We went back and taught fundamentals better. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> at one point, we were basically teaching kids how to get tackled because we had such an issue with concussions because kids would get hit and they would just fall. Like they wouldn't know how to brace themselves when they would fall. Um, we incorporated a bunch of neck exercises in the weight room to help build up the neck. So that way when they would get hit, their head wouldn't jerk back. And, you know, one thing, one thing that I'll, I'll add to it, um, and we'll talk more about this later on in a different episode, but, and I'm sure you agree. Um, your junior high program needs to be a program that high school coaches have their fingerprints on. Yeah. Um, whether it be taking some sort of time during practice to come over and interact with the kids or the coaches, or uh, making sure that you're attending those um, games, whatever the reason is, or whatever the the process is and that's that was kind of what my job was at Lincoln Lutheran was to kind of be like a liaison between the high school and junior high 
whereas we basically wanted to run the same thing offensively from junior high to high school where the terminology, all that stuff, was the exact same so that way you get up to high school, you know what the coaches are talking about, you know the plays already. And so obviously volleyball, you're not going to have a lot of the same terminology you're, well, okay, so you're going to have the same terminology, but as far as, like, football with plays and different formations and stuff, um, there's a lot more that goes into it on the football side than the volleyball as, as far as positions and plays. So you want to be familiar with all of that stuff once you get to that level. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there has to be, a like, a basis of communication because – like, we have a different offensive system, offensive numbering system than the schools around us do. And it's one that I just, I basically stole from, and I feel like sometimes the best drills and the best things are stolen from other coaches. And, and that's, that's one thing, too. Um, coaching is a copycat business, so like she said, she stole it from somebody, somebody will probably steal it from her. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, the credit goes to, I mean, you can give credit to anybody basically, but oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a copycat business. You see what yeah. one person's doing and if it's working for them, you're going to want to implement that into your program as well. Yeah. And so that's just, yeah, but the, the correlation with junior high to high school and like, I'm still in the process of trying to establish that and it's just stepping stones and and helping to build up both both programs and luckily um like the communication is pretty well between that I feel like so what was the difference though because like I mean volleyball is the same here and there you have six six girls out on the court you got whatever else but you went from and I remember when you and I started dating that because Lincoln Lutheran was 11 man yep Blue Hill hadn't been 11 man for I don't even know how long so and I remember you saying like oh I'll never coach eight man like I don't know anything about it like that's just a completely different thing and now look at you you're coaching eight man and you love it yeah, it's it's kind of a weird weird concept. I don't know how to correlate it. I think maybe like window shopping might be the best <laughs> the best way to describe it. Like for for years it's always like, okay, well, let me just kind of like study eight man for one night just to kind of get an understanding of it. Um watching the state championships on TV just I mean, there's times where it's just like, why would somebody want to play eight man football? Um, so going into that setting now, um, the first, the first, gosh, I don't know, a couple practices kind of really threw me through a loop. Um, and my, and I, I did junior high and high school, both my first year at Blue Hill last year, I did just high school. And then this year I'm going back to doing junior high and high school again, because we want to build up that continuity between the two programs um but i think i think the biggest thing that helped me adjust to eight man was calling the defense for junior high because that forced me to actually have to understand it 
to actually have to sit down and learn it and process all of it. And now uh, I've got plenty of friends that, that still coach 11 man and I'm, I'm trying to recruit them over to, to eight man <laughs> um, because truly it's, it is a lot of fun. And there's, there were a lot of differences um, that I was afraid of that there would be that there's not really that many. Uh, it, six man would be different. I don't want to do anything with six man um, because that's, there's a lot of different rules with that, but Essentially, eight man's the same. It's just a shorter field, three less players, but a lot of the blocking and stuff you can do, you can do the same. But it was a, it was a fun transition. Um, spent a lot of time on YouTube looking up old clinics and everything, um, trying to figure out formations and uh, defensive fronts and all that. But um, luckily, I got some good friends in in the eight man coaching ranks that offered to lend a helping hand and um spent time talking with those guys about different things so it's it's been a fun transition and one that as of now I don't foresee me necessarily wanting to go back to 11 man in the time being but obviously that can change from (laughs) from year to year but would would you ever dabble in six man um it would have to be the right situation um like I said, there's just some, and we actually we actually do one six man game in junior high, and it's you got to have some good athletes to do that because it's basically like <clears throat> basketball on grass is what it boils down to. So, um, wrapping up this podcast here in the next few minutes, just want to talk about how as a married couple we handle coaching at the same school. Um, not necessarily coaching the same kids, but coaching the same kids within the school. What what do you think? What have been some um, some positives and negatives as far as both of us being coaches and bringing that stuff home? Um, I feel like we are kind of rock stars at the whole, um, like coaching during the same season yeah that's that's one thing too it would be different if like she was a volleyball coach and I coached basketball but in the fall we're we're literally busy with our respective sports I mean shoot they've got two or three games a week Tuesdays Thursdays some Saturdays Mm -hmm. we're busy on Mondays and Fridays there are big nights and stuff usually Wednesday nights is when we're painting the field for home games, so it's mm-hmm. the fall is a busy time for us. Yeah, and um, like I said, I feel like we're like rock stars at it because being in a small school, you, we are able and we know the kids. Like we right. may not coach the same kids, but we know them. Like working in the weight room and seeing the kids in the hallway and just and a lot building of those connections. And a lot of times we'll coach siblings too. Like I might coach. A boy on the football team, Jess is gonna have his sister on the volleyball team, so we know mm-hmm. know the families and stuff. Yeah, and so it's just like you're always at my games as much as you can be. Most home games you're there, um, away games you're there when you are able to, and then I go to your games. So it's and it's just like that communication that is there, and then we kind of understand when, like you have that like look 
and you as I mean like both of us, you have that look that's just like, oh, okay, well, they didn't have the best practice or they didn't have the best game. I'm just going to shut up and let them vent. And it's nice because I know when I vent and when I am excited or sad or whatever. Like, you understand it. Like, you get right. it. You can, like, you have that same mindset. So you understand my frustrations and my, like, happiness and and whatever to the same point. And I couldn't have, I couldn't have asked for a better husband. Yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of times, too, the body language, like, you can tell watching each other coach or even, like, walk to the car after practice, after school, or after a game, you can, you just, like, know what, what each of us are thinking. And I think, too, I think, I mean, we, we don't try to give each other advice. I always try to tell her when she needs to use timeouts, timeouts in volleyball. <laughs> um, if I was a volleyball coach, I'd probably blow through timeouts like it was no one's business or whatever. But, um, I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's nice because you're married to someone who knows the the struggles of coaching. Like like you said earlier, it's a mm-hmm. thankless profession. Um, a lot of time devoted to <clears throat> to your athletes and stuff. And sometimes it's the maybe the level of interest or the the passion's not reciprocated. But um, mm-hmm. it's definitely nice being able to have somebody at home who knows knows what those coaching struggles are Mm -hmm. so we're gonna go ahead and call it good on this first episode um we got kind of long with it sorry about that um we'll talk about more of our philosophical big word drop there our philosophical approaches to volleyball and football um in our next podcast episode probably shoot for that to come out sometime next week maybe um and so other than that thank you for tuning in and listening to the real deal podcast thank you to my wife the first guest on the podcast won't be my last won't be her last um also shout out to our corgis walter and wrigley who are both sleeping on the floor here in front of us walter's on his back and Wrigley's <laughs> passed out on his stomach. Usually this time of the night they're tearing up our house or trying to wrestle each other. So they were quiet for us tonight. And so with that, we will sign off for tonight. We will talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>